0: Hello and welcome to Start the Beat. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home and as always, there's beer and soda and water in the fridge. Cheers. Yeah water good stuff tell you this i mentioned before we started recording i played a show last night last night was a wednesday and i I think i i drank maybe one too many beers for a wednesday (laughs) and i just woke up not feeling great yeah but i'm feeling a little bit better now that's good it's the evening Mm -hmm. i've had some good food i'm drinking water i'm taking care of myself and For anyone out there that's like, stop talking about yourself, who's this (laughs) nice looking guy in the fancy jacket sitting to my left, please make some noise for my friend, John (laughs) Ty. What up? (laughs) So, John.
1: Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Yeah. Very uh, happy and excited to be recording my very first podcast ever.
0: Wow. Yeah. This is your first podcast. Uh Uh-huh. I'm very excited to be sharing this experience with you, and I hope that the rest are all downhill from here. I hope yeah, this yeah, I'm just sure. sets the bar Pretty much. as high <laughs> as literally possible, but we'll see how it goes. So for everyone out there that is not familiar with my friend, John, John is a magician. That's Indeed. It. one in one way, but there's a yeah. lot more to what you do. You're almost like a, like a performing artist to some degree. How would you describe what it is that you do?
1: oh man uh starting off with the big questions (laughs) yeah so magician is the easiest one word kind of short answer right if anyone asks what i do and i think it's i think it's accurate in a lot of ways and that encapsulates a, a lot of what i do but i think it's inaccurate not so much because of the word itself but because most people don't necessarily know what being a magician is all about right and I don't necessarily know what being a magician is all about. Uh, I think it's, it's something that is very different for many, many different people who, are, who call themselves magicians as well, right? Um, and so I guess for me, uh, easiest way I can do is um, I am primarily a performer. That is my main interest in magic. Uh, I mean, I, I love all aspects of it and many aspects, but with the primary goal of, of creating uh, experiences and, and sharing with them with people.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing that I've really picked up on you from talking to you over the past however many months that we've been friends at this point now. Shout outs to the pair in the pickle Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> Previous guest of the show. I don't remember what number it was, but you can go back and listen to that. But. In our conversations, one of the things that I've noticed is there's so many parallels between what you do as a musician or a magician and what I do all the time. as yes. a musician. <laughs> uh, they're very similar words. And in terms of, you know, sure, I can write a song or you can come up with a trick, but there's so much more that goes into the actual execution and delivering that to a room full of people versus just learning the trick itself, I imagine. Mm-hmm. There's more that goes into it that isn't necessarily part of the, quote, magic itself, but more about, like, how do you, uh, like, public speaking and performing and laying something out and getting a crowd engaged that is in one way or another kind of a magical thing, but it's not part of the trick. It's yeah. something that seems to go into a lot of what you do because of how, all of your work usually involves a stranger to some degree. Like you're always working with other people, getting them involved. It's not like, I have this set thing that I'm doing, here it is. Mm-hmm. It's like you're always, it seems to be that you're always working with other people.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think there are a lot of different places on spectrum around this. And so to go with the musician-magician analogy, right? It's like, um, I imagine oftentimes writing the song is the base level, right? It's like if you're a musician, you have to have music, Right. But that's just the beginning, right? And then when you, um, from what I understand of your own performance, when you think about performing, you think about how you want to stage it, how you want to light it, how, uh, even things as basic as, right, what your set list is and the order. You probably think about those things, right? And those all factor into the overall experience that you're giving your audience, right? Uh, And I know, I'm sure there are certainly musicians who don't really think about those things, right? They create a song and then they think, okay, I'm going to go out and do a show and have a set list and then they just they play the song right but maybe that's where it stops right and I think with magic it's often a lot of the same parallels right where oftentimes it's like you get into magic often because you are fascinated by the tricks themselves and so you learn a bunch of tricks and then you go do them and then you stop there right and it can work to a certain extent but I think just like in music I'm sure you've gone to see a show where maybe the music is wonderful but the show as a whole isn't isn't as engaging as it could be, right? Because there's there's always the fascination not just with the music but with the person too, right? And I think it's um in music and in magic, I think it's important to communicate that, right? And there are a lot of ways and things that add up to communicating that beyond just playing a song or doing a magic trick,
0: right? Absolutely. And I think that you had mentioned there's, you know, different levels and different types of people that do magic. Same thing with music where there are some people that maybe just want to play a couple songs maybe some people will just want to do a couple tricks but then there are people that want to craft a whole set mm-hmm. and be able to do like an hour of original material in front of a room mm-hmm. which seems like something that a direction that you've been working towards for some time now like you want to be like this i want to give you a show with some sort of a narrative that goes from start to finish and tells a story about the wonders of life <laughs> sure yeah yeah exactly exactly right <laughs> and Through like uh, a, a variety of different tricks mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's like uh, oftentimes in magic, there's um, there's the typical magic show uh, oftentimes, which is like, you know, here's a trick, then here's another trick, then here's another trick, then here's another trick. And maybe they build in some way, but then that's a show, right? And um, right now what I'm trying to, what I'm working on, the big project and what I'm trying to explore is Putting together a show that's maybe anywhere from seventy-five to ninety minutes long, uh, which so long can be very long. Yes, wow, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you know, finding a way to have it be more than just trick, 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 right? Where there is texture to it beyond that and also something communicated beyond that. And and I'm talking in very vague terms because I'm very much in the throes of kind of figuring out what that is for me I right now. I understand. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's something that I've gone through with my performance. The last album that I released, I was really hell-bent on putting together a performance that showcased the album from start to finish. But with things woven in between the songs that would tell a full narrative. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, I did not do as good of a job as I wish I would have. Mm. But I tried my damnedest and I learned a lot about how various things work. So, you know, moving forward now with this new thing that I'm working on, my next hour, if you will, uh, I've learned a lot from the previous experiences and I'm really stoked with like what I'm building now. And I think that's just... It takes time. You kind of have to have those little hiccups and things like that.
1: Yeah, know? yeah, you just keep doing the work, right? And I mean, I think uh, we talked about this uh, earlier on about that um, that segment of Ira Glass talking about the gap, right? Yeah. Between your taste and your vision and what you know could be good and then what you actually create, and there's that gap, right? Uh, and then the only way to close it is just by doing, by thinking about it, sure, but just doing more and more work and gradually over time, you know, you close that gap.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So with you... As a musician, a magician. Oh my! <laughs> how many? I need to put a counter on the screen of how many times I do that. So that it's would probably be great. Gonna, it's yeah. going to happen yeah, at yeah, least yeah. six more times, I imagine. <laughs> so, as a magician, a, <laughs> a magician, mu- <laughs> a musician. a magician. That's, that's, that's the word now. Word, yes. That's the word. Holy smokes! <laughs> as John Ty, <laughs> indeed. As John Ty, <laughs> twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. You've been doing the magic stuff for a long time, a a nice chunk of your life, maybe not to the extent that you are now, but you've had Mm -hmm. an interest in it for a long time. But you weren't always doing magic. There was a life prior to the magic. Mm -hmm. Let's get a little bit into your background and where you came from and just like the story that led to where we are today.
1: Yeah, so I got into magic when I was around the eighth grade. So it was about 17 years ago. Um, Prior to that, I was a kid in a nice upper middle class uh, neighborhood, and didn't have many worries in the world, you know. And uh, and so I was also, you know, not a shocker and not a strange story when it comes to magic. But I was a very shy and awkward kid, and so you know the uh, the question of. How you got into magic is more, I think, a question of how did you stay in magic, right? Because a lot of people had magic phases. I don't know if you ever had a magic kid or anything when you were a kid. Um, the
0: closest thing I probably had was a yo-yo. Okay, okay. Like, you know, learning how to do the different yo-yo tricks. Yeah. Which is short not yo-yo quite phase it, but you know.
1: No, ancillary things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I got into magic and I just was obsessed uh, with it. And I... You know, I, I can't necessarily articulate exactly what it was. It was just um, I saw a guy doing uh, some card tricks and he basically did something that was so, so impossible. Uh, so kind of reality breaking to me at the time that it just struck something in me. And, and then I was just I was just I had to find out more about yeah. whatever all this was. You know, you
0: know, it's funny as you mentioned that you, something just happened and you couldn't explain it. And I find that usually those reactions when people are explaining something from their past and they can't quite describe it, it makes it that much more real. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. usually if somebody has this in-depth explanation as to why they got into something very specifically, it's like, "Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> this is a little bit too specific." Yeah. Uh, usually, it's just like yeah. I just came across this thing and I loved it. I just had to do it. That's yeah,
1: it. yeah. I mean, it just it's usually emotion-driven, right? It strikes something. And it's you like can't, there was a, a missing it. puzzle
0: piece in your spirit of some Mm. sort and you you found it with the magic. It's Mm kind of plopped it in and like, okay, let's keep going.
1: Or I didn't even know it was missing and then that moment like showed me this gap and this gap turned out to be a never-ending rabbit hole, pardon the pun. (laughs) Yeah. uh, yeah. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I just spent hours upon hours uh, doing that uh, and kind of getting deeper and deeper into it. And then um, there was, uh, there were, you know, now that I've been doing it for a while, and also um, just to give a little context on the timeline, uh, from the beginning of last year, 2019 is when I started working on magic full time, and so um, you know, the last year and change of working on magic is a very different period from the last 16 years, uh, just because it's it's approaching it in a much fuller. I'm literally spending my full time doing it now, you yeah, know, and that is just a very different thing than spending. Uh, you know, some time on it here and there or even when I was younger spending many hours but still having schoolwork and all that jazz. Well, sure, because I mean, yeah. you eventually went to college. Yeah, exactly. went to a nice school.
0: Indeed. You went to Cornell. Indeed, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where is that at? It's in Ithaca. Okay. Yeah, Ithaca, New Hell York, yeah.
1: upstate New York. Great town. Great, great town. So,
0: did you grow up in Pittsburgh or did you wind up in Pittsburgh?
1: I wound up in Pittsburgh. So I grew up in New Jersey. Okay. Um, and then I wound up in Pittsburgh about six and a half, seven years ago. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And that was work-related, I imagine? Ish. Uh,
1: in the sense that the work I was doing at the time was a medical software company. And um, the nature of the job was it was completely remote. right? Uh, and so I spent a lot of time traveling and working which was wonderful and it kind of afforded me those kinds of opportunities and then um, I passed through Pittsburgh kind of just random happenstance and it was at that point in my life where I wanted to you know spread my wings and live elsewhere and strike out on my own and so I just got a good feeling from this place I was like what the hell it's close enough and easy enough to hop over here that if it doesn't work out I'll just hop somewhere else and then it's worked out pretty fine I think hell yeah yeah
0: so going back to your youth and talking about being you know a shyer kid and but just getting into magic and things like that i'm curious about what it was like for you breaking out of that shyness Mm. in terms of you know did that happen through school or did it happen more through like magic and Mm -hmm. doing that yeah, stuff it's, it's really, it seems like even like your work school can be very isolating yeah sure. i mean you can have a social life outside of it but it, it can also be super isolating and it seemed like your job working remotely traveling could also be isolating in its own way mm-hmm. so i'm curious about like what led you to this breaking out of your shell thing where now you're up with the pear in the pickle with a magic mind reading <laughs> a mystery sign and doing tricks for strangers on weekdays. Like, you know. Yeah. Because it's so outside. It's so not, you know, it's very extroverted in a way. Yeah, yeah. I totally get that. And it's and like, funny. even when I sit down and talk with you now, it's always just like, hey, can I show you a trick? Like, you're just very <laughs> like, but it also, it, al- it almost seems like more just like this uh, compulsion to need to like test and experiment the trick maybe overrides the any of the shyness that you had, but I'm sure that you've shaken a lot of that off Yeah, until now. But I'm yeah. curious about that what that process was like for you.
1: Yeah, many things there. I mean, now it's not so much about shyness versus, uh, I don't know, audacity or extroversion. Uh, now it is more like what you hit on there, uh, compulsion to test a thing, yeah. right? And so then gotcha. when I'm at the parent pickle and I'm working on something, then I might push sharing magic with people or like you because, uh-huh. uh, you know, with regulars just to try things out. But... You know, it's funny because um, you know, every once in a while my mom will will just make that comment where it's like I it's like I can't who would have thought that you would be doing this thing now looking at you as as a kid <laughs> who, who like had trouble, you know, talking to the cashier at the grocery store and sure. <laughs> would not be comfortable doing that. And um, you know, I think part of magic that draws uh that is a draw at first is it gives this avenue to, you know, step outside of your shell and um you know, a, a less euphemistic way of putting it is, it was very much a social crutch. You know, um, I mean, that wasn't the only reason I was interested in it. There was also a variety of different things like that emotion and that interest and that intrigue. But also, certainly, there was this feeling of like, oh, if I can do these wonderful things and and do them for people in a very direct way, then I'll be more social and people will like me and that kind of thing.
0: You know, sure. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think I found I had a very similar upbringing, only child. Just kind of, you know, video games, music. I was just into all that stuff. Didn't really have a whole lot of friends. And over time ended up finding I didn't even realize it, but once I started getting into music and playing shows, I was like making friends. And I I was like, oh, now I have friends. (laughs) Like I wasn't even thinking about it. Or like now I'm interacting with people. Um talking to strangers after performances Mm -hmm. i'm selling people cds and it was like a weird skill set that i wasn't used to having or and i didn't even think about it until i was in the middle of it yeah
1: was it kind of like a byproduct of what you were interested in or did you ever like have a consciousness like did you ever feel uncomfortable socially or like that kind of thing or was it just kind of a natural transition i didn't
0: feel uncomfortable i just think i almost kind of preferred being alone yeah which was, and I'm still kind of like that. I guess you can't teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a very, very lone wolf type of person. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy company, but also I have no problem if no, no, if, if I get left alone for a couple of days, like yeah, I can just keep myself busy because mm-hmm. much like you, I'm always trying to learn and grow and expand my work. And mm-hmm. I remember like getting to know you, seeing you at the Pear and Pickle, and like you'll just be sitting there like. Reading with like a stack of books about magic or like <laughs> practicing tricks by yourself. And I love it. Cause I'm just like, this guy is really serious about this. Like you're really going for it. It was it's funny like, too, because it was a long time
1: before we actually like even interacted with each other. Yeah. We saw each other there for probably months before we actually had a conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. again,
0: that's like one of those things where it's like, um, I'm in there every day. And you know, you're I feel like any, we usually see each other there. If mm-hmm. I feel like we're both there probably every day,
1: almost close, yeah, yeah, very, very close. Very close.
0: <laughs> and, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, even though you have a sign up about like the, doing the tricks, it's like, I'm not going to bug that guy. Right, like why? Like, yeah, because like, you're there. Why should really I think yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you want to be bugged. That's why you it literally made the says sign. on demand. Yes, <laughs> please bug me. But then, yeah, I remember. I think one day I sat down. and We ended up, or maybe cat, maybe, may cat, maybe introduced yeah, us. So, yeah. Something happened. But anyways, mm-hmm. here we are now. L- mm-hmm. Look at us go. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's always cool though. As I was saying, to see you just working because just I just from my outside perspective it seems like you're really giving this your all and like you'll see some people they're like oh I'm doing this thing I'm working on this thing but you never really see them working on it and you Mm -hmm. don't see the byproduct of it Mm -hmm. but with you in a short amount of time that I've known you it's like you know I see you're doing events and you're always working on stuff at the cafe and I'm sure you're working on stuff at home too and it seems like it's building and you've had like recently you did some shows at liberty magic right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and seems like things are going good
1: it's it's in a good direction and i appreciate that it comes off as i'm working hard yeah (laughs) because man life is so much easier in a lot of ways than uh before (laughs) before when i was working at the medical software company you know well yeah i mean i'm sure
0: it's not uh hard in terms of you know it's really laborious to do these things but I I, mean again you went to school for so many years and Mm -hmm. you mean you probably just have a background in studying and absorbing knowledge and yeah you just have the discipline for it now so
1: and always working on building it you know and honestly the discipline part came much more after school much more through working for that medical software company um which was you know it was a very uh, difficult experience, but in a in mostly a good way. You know, I think uh I think there are a few worse. Like, like a
0: problem solving sort of difficult.
1: Yeah, in that it was uh, am I allowed to swear on this? Or, yeah, yeah, great. It was kind of a shit show. You know, <laughs> it was like uh, it was like a small company. It was maybe twenty ish people when I joined, and um, you know, the when I joined up, it was one of my best friends now in school. He he worked in the support department, and so it was him, me. And then one of his best friends growing up, Freddie, uh, and the three of us were the entire support department for this medical software company. It was like the three musketeers slash stooges, you know. <laughs> and uh, and so while I was in school, you know, I would just I, I was like, okay, I'll make some money on the side while I'm studying. You know, school still takes priority. And then after I graduate, I'll figure out what I really want to do, you know. And then yeah. eight and a half years later, at the job, but you know what it kind of transformed into was. You know, at a certain point, uh, this is my second foray into working on magic as a a profession. And so my first foray was right after I graduated from college. I kind of told myself and I told everyone that I knew that I was going to, you know, keep working at this job to make an income but then work on with the eventual goal of working on magic professionally, right? But
0: Now, were you in Pittsburgh at this time, or were no, you were
1: elsewhere? I was elsewhere, yeah. So I'd graduated. My home base was still my parents' house in New Jersey, uh, but then I was traveling around as well. And um, so the big kind of uh, soul-searching thing I did was I went on a, one of those quintessential American road trips, right? Okay. And uh, because I could work while I traveled, I I literally took eight months, and I drove around the country. And it was a, a fantastic experience and you know on paper what i said was okay uh i know i want to move away from home and strike out on my own so i can see the country and figure out where i want to go uh secondly i'm working on this magic thing so i can perform as i travel and maybe work on busking which is terrifying and uh and you know ramp up my skills in that regard um and uh and yeah so those are kind of like my outward reasons right but i think what it What it really came down to was I wanted to, there was a part of me that I think wanted to put myself in situations that were new and that were alien and where I was a complete stranger to the, where the world around me was a stranger to me and where I was a stranger to the world around me. And in a sense, I, I think I was just, if I have to put it into words now, right, I think I was looking to be comfortable, to figure out how to be comfortable in my own skin by putting myself in situations where I knew I would ramp up the discomfort and totally. and to learn how to just be in those situations. And um, and it kind of comes back to being shy as a kid and magic being this kind of social crush because, you know, a few years into magic, very quickly, um, I, well, I read a book called Absolute Magic by a, a very prominent magician now named Darren Brown. And it was basically his, at the time that he wrote it, his philosophy on magic performance and what he wanted it to be for himself and hopefully that it would maybe other people could glean something from that and it completely changed the way I thought about magic and it it raised the bar several standard deviations above where I, I my head was at, at the time which was wonderful and it was one of those uh, one of those few life changing um, books and moments for me uh, specifically in the world of magic uh, the part that uh, was difficult for a period was it raised the bar so high that everything I did was crap and I kind mm. of stopped wanting to perform that much, right? And then also I, I kind of, you know, there was a point where I quickly became aware of magic being the social crutch for me and not wanting to be, you know, the guy who's the magician first and then John Tai second, right? And uh-huh, and yeah. part of me wanting to be me, who, John Tai who does magic, Right and not the other way around. And so that was also part of the reason why I kind of had this push and pull with Magic too, where I loved it and I wanted to share it, but I also didn't want it to define me, right? And so, you know, that road trip kind of, I realized became that in hindsight after I'm kind of self-analyzing. But, um, you know, partway through that trip, I basically had like a little quarter-life crisis where I <laughs> was in Portland with a friend and we were driving. And then I, I, <laughs> I basically... Had this moment where I consciously and verbally with my friend faced this question of like, is this what I really want to do? Because I was I wasn't having fun performing magic. It felt like an obligation, and it was giving me a ton of anxiety trying to busk because it did not come naturally to me for a host of reasons. And uh, and so it, and then the follow up question to that, which was even more terrifying, was like, if not magic, then what? Right. Then sure. what am I doing? I'm just wasting my time at this medical software company. I don't know. Right. And so so having kind of consciously faced that question i stopped doing magic altogether for for the next few months and i was immediately so much happier and wow yeah it was just it was like just a weight was lifted and then and then i just started just being on this trip and just being more present in it i guess and just just enjoying myself with these new experiences and um and then the logical conclusion about the job was like you know i'm I'm a privileged dude. Like my my parents worked their asses off so that I could have all these opportunities. They came from Taiwan. They came over here. Didn't speak the language, new culture, all that jazz. You know, and um, so I I am I was privileged enough to think to myself, you know, if I'm going to spend eight hours plus a day, five days a week, uh, also sometimes plus, doing this thing, then why would I just waste my time doing it? Why not find something something valuable in it? and if i can't find something valuable in it then i should just go to do something else because i i can and i have the means to do that right and so and so that was kind of when i drank the fruit punch of that job and uh and then ended up growing and learning a lot from it just through the challenges of that you know i learned a much greater discipline a much greater work ethic i learned how to roll with many many things outside of my control and all of that is all of that feeds into everything i do every day now just trying to do my own thing now which I would not do anywhere near as effectively if I hadn't you know, gone through all sure. that. Sure. I'm know?
0: curious now how coming back into magic, how that discipline and the time off, how it maybe affected your approach to magic when you decided to get back into it, so, if at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things is it working on the job taught me to have a much more grounded view and approach to things. You know, it's just... All of life is kind of like one way to view much of life is like problem solving, right? Like you you have certain goals or things you want to do, you hit, and uh, there's something about the word problem too. It's like it it has these negative connotations, but no, they're just they're just things, right? Oh yeah, you have to work through and and stuff, and so whatever. And so uh, magic is the same way, right? And it's a you know there's and it's not just any any. Uh, performative or artistic endeavor it's not just the art because you have to you have to make a living right you have to make money and and so there are those practical sides of it of the business side of it and so it's just like okay approach the whole thing as a whole and okay if i want to do this and i want to do this full-time then i have to address all the things i have to i have to enjoy and and grow the magic itself but i also have to find ways to get booked and get paid for it
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah.
1: eventually i had a I had a pretty good runway after uh saving up from working the working the old job but um uh but yeah and so i think i think it just kind of gave me a much you know i think in the past when i thought of the first time i did it when i thought of doing magic as a profession was more like this idea of it i was enamored with this idea and and more so less for myself more so so i could be like oh yeah i'm a, I'm a magician how so so cool is that right
0: i'm really curious about if you're like character changed because now when you when i see you do magic you're very calm grounded and really focused on you know getting the attention of the person that you're working with in a very calm way it's not real like showy or gimmicky like you know, put on a voice and are like here's a trick and there's no <laughs> like fireworks and like you know like none of that shit right yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. like this is me and it's more of like a conversation about life or you know a, a mystery a mysterious part of life something mm-hmm. like the way that you weave your narrations into the tricks that i've seen you do uh, but that's what you do now i'm curious if you were doing something similar to that in the past, or if you were trying to be more of like a character, like I do magic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I was never like a big character, you know, one, because when I first started, I was still shy and awkward. So it would feel very uncomfortable to like do something crazy like that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's funny though. I kind of remember there's just one memory that sticks out with me. It was, it was in like the early on when I got into magic, I like learned this, I like learned this convoluted card trick that involved a lot of counting and dealing and stuff like not a just at a baseline level not a very good trick but I I did it for this creative arts class that I had right and so I'm standing in, in front of the group of my classmates you know and it's something I I would have just been terrified to do but through the channel of magic it was like it was terrifying but still something I was willing and wanted to do you know and I remember going through this trick and and the words I was saying was very like like blah, 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 blah. Just like talk, talking oh, at yeah, the class, sure. you know, there was no, there was no like connection. And I remember, you know, it was, the class was great and the instructor was very warm and supportive. And yeah, I remember his comment where he was like, I kind of like that, that Barker style <laughs> you know, <laughs> speech you had. And yeah, you know, at the time I w- I just, I just took it as a compliment, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, But I think it, it comes back to, you know, I, this, this process of, of, Figuring out how to be comfortable in my own skin has also been, I think, a process for me of of uh, not to get too floofy, but just connecting with people as as human beings, yeah, right. No. And I I and so I think the style that you see now is just a honing is is, a, is just a honing of that over time. Um, yeah, I mean, I think from the time that. I don't know exactly there if there's a turning point. Certainly reading that book, Absolute Magic, started me thinking down this path, but about about the experience we're having together when we're sharing magic and the way that it's affecting you, right? And and the way that, you know, it's always a you or us, right? Rather than just a look at what I can do. Right. And that's always that's kind of been instilled in me for a long time early on in magic. And so you know, and it it all ties into too, not wanting to be the magic man, right, where it's me and we're connecting and having this conversation, and then i'm we're sharing this piece of magic as well it's know? like
0: it's almost as if instead of being like i'm uh I'm manipulating the universe around me, it's like the universe is already manipulated, and i'm just giving I'm like opening up a door to mm. show you yeah how it's manipulated
1: yeah yeah that's a good analogy and it's funny i I recently was playing around with kind of analogy like that for um for the way of kind of framing an an effect uh where it was like you know a lot of the magic I've been doing lately because what's been on my mind is like magic itself and thinking about the different aspects of magic and how people who aren't magicians think about it, and then also um oftentimes. I feel like a a large focus in the past year has been performing magic in a way that educates about magic as well. That reveals a little about magic. not necessarily like, Oh, it's magnets and stuff, but about what goes into it. You know? And I think, I think the more, when you understand or kind of get a peek behind the curtain of any craft, you, you appreciate it a bit more in a different way. And so, um, you know, one of the analogies I was thinking of was that like, um, you know, magic isn't just the thing that happens out here, right? it's, it's the whole experience the most important parts of the experience are what happens in your own mind right before the thing out here happens and then after the thing out here and then i was thinking of the thing out here kind of as more like just a gust of wind that blows open the store that yeah. to a place that we don't normally let ourselves go to as adults um, but then maybe maybe we get to kind of peek through or or yeah, dip toe in, you
0: in know? you almost <laughs> there's sort of like a like the Twilight Zone, how like Rod Sterling would uh, introduce and talk about all the beginning of the episodes. Like that's kind of you. Like, (laughs) let me show you a world of tricks, (laughs) but not so gimmicky, but you know Uh, what I mean? Like you're kind of like opening up that door to Mm -hmm. some sort of a metaphorical Twilight Zone. Yeah.
1: And I think it's fun. uh, You know, that's part of why we like the Twilight Zone, right? It's fun to kind of let ourselves live in a strange world for a little bit. Yeah, You know, even knowing it's not real. Like I don't, I don't want anyone to walk away being like, "Oh, that guy can actually read my mind," or (laughs) "Oh, he can actually wave his hands and turn the back of a playing card from red to blue." (laughs) Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're all intelligent human beings, rational human beings. I never want anyone to walk away less intelligent than they than they Mm -hmm.
0: met me. Right. I think it's just fun to see, you know, people that can, because the way that you know musicians manipulate air to create sound and you know and pitches and notes and create compositions magicians find a way to you know manipulate things visually and just kind of trick your mind and your brain in a way I don't know if trick is the right word is there like a a like preferred vocabulary when talking about these things uh, manipulate so like, yeah. uh but you know, I, I feel as though you understand what I'm trying yeah, to say because, yeah. it, again, you're not really reading somebody's mind. You're not really ter- changing the color of something. You're not really doing these things. You're just able to give. I, I don't know. How would you word it? Like, help me out here. Yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> so so what I've been thinking
1: lately, especially these last couple of days, is just is just in terms of the experience, right? Like, what is what is the experience that I want to create for someone? Right. And I think I mean I don't know if it's the same for, for musicians. I mean, you maybe maybe often it's not explicitly thought about, right? But the maybe it's an emotion or something, right? But then you're trying to convey this you're trying to convey this idea or emotion through either music or a piece of magic. Um and so I don't know. I, I guess it's just there are the specific things to magic is Specifically at a base level, it's the experience of something that contradicts our concept of reality. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, so that's what makes in well, in some ways that what's that's what makes magic magic, right? If you want to look at it from one lens. All of these points are infinitely debatable, right, and and discussable. But, you know, then taking that baseline, then what is with each piece? What is the what is the experience I'm trying to create for you? What do I want you to go through? Um and ooh, then it's just using whatever tools that I have in the realm of magic to do that, I guess. Um yeah. Clearly something I'm still very much figuring out. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling <laughs> that
0: you'll Yeah. I I hope you never do figure it out. Oh, I'm sure Be- I won't. Because there's there's <laughs> it's funny as though. Uh, you know the the mystery that is going to intrigue people to watch you. I find that that same mystery is going to drive you in a way to keep going, mm-hmm. because yeah. you know you're always going to be pushing yourself to figure out what you can do next, and people are going to be curious to see what you can do the next time they come and see you, etc. Mm-hmm. etc. Yeah, cetera, et cetera. yeah, yeah. Just keeps going.
1: I mean, it just keeps going. There's a constant evolution of and, thought, and
0: yeah. As you said earlier, you are – about a year ago was when you started doing this Mm full-time. So a good question that I have that I feel can transcend any sort of entertainment endeavor, you made this decision now to – make this your full-time thing. But I imagine that you took some time to prepare for this. You didn't just wake up one day and like, well, I'm not working anymore. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. There were some steps that went in place to working up to being able to do this. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So yeah. what were some of those steps that you took and what would be some advice that you would give to other creatives out there who are maybe looking to pursue their dreams goals, passions Mm. on a more full-time basis.
1: Yeah, for me, many of the steps were not super deliberate. (laughs) But, you know, it's a question of how much my conscious slash subconscious intentions kind of directed gradually towards this. But, um, you know, one of the big things I will say is that, and this, this is something I've thought but also... Have read in this um, book by uh, Jamie D. Grant, who is a magician who basically wrote this kind of his uh, his approach and handbook. No, he literally called it the approach to um, performing close-up magic as a living, and um, he lays out all these. Uh, basically, it's a really easily readable format of of these things he's learned. And one of the each chapter is like a, a singular concept that he drives home, and it's not like paragraphs. It's like it's like short blocks of text. And one of the chapters he had was. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a day job, and uh he's so right because it's it gives you this safety net to to feel things out as you go along right and it also gives you this safety net to work on things even after you don 't have the day job right yeah. like there 's no way i uh, I find it incredibly difficult to imagine doing what i 'm doing right now if i didn 't have a runway, like if I was in a position where it 's like looking at my books and being like, okay, if I don't book a gig next month, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay the mortgage. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine being in that kind of position. So
0: the position that you were in was you were just able to set aside enough mm-hmm. money for you to sit on while you figure out how to make money off of the next thing. Exactly, exactly, yeah. right. And so that
1: has been a huge thing for me, right? And so, um, so if I you know if i had to boil it down to one thing i would say that would be the biggest thing having having something to give you that leeway and that runway and then also um, and this is a difficult thing because i know there are things that i would want to tell myself and impart to myself like years ago but i don't know if i'd have been able to hear it or internalize it you know because every i think there's only so much you can do to really change someone's course or where they're at You know, they in the end, it has to it comes down to them experiencing things and and learning in their own time and then being open to shifting, you know?
0: Yeah. What I found is normally most people that do stuff, you had mentioned that it wasn't it was more of a subconscious thing. Maybe you weren't necessarily planning to do it. The stars just aligned and you made the call and it was able to happen. It was just like you wanted to do it. You found a way to make it happen and you did it. It wasn't like you planned
1: crazy yeah, for it. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't and, like a year ago I had this idea. Okay, this, these are the steps I'm going to take yeah. to transition. Right. And I find that mm-hmm. most
0: people that are in a position to do something, and if they really want to do it, they just find a way to make it happen. And there usually isn't much planning really involved in it. I find that if you need to get to a point where you're really breaking down these spreadsheets and these graphs of how you're going to, you know, if like you're going <laughs> yeah, insane yeah. and like really planning it too much, I find like too many plans is usually a good way to make nothing happen.
1: Yeah, I would tend to agree, you know, and I also hesitate because I know, I'm sure that approach maybe has worked amazingly for people out there. I'm, yeah, I'm not yeah, saying right. that it hasn't. I yeah. just,
0: from my experience, my mm-hmm. personal experience, it's my sto- that's how things worked for me, you know, mm-hmm. I just, I want to do this. So I just started doing it. And same. Yeah. It's not really thinking too much about like how am I gonna do something. And I think that was the that was the problem with me when I
1: first wanted to do magic full time because I had this image and then I was stuck in that and I was paralyzed by that kind of static image. But you know, the world's a freaking fluid place, right? And so I I think what has helped me the most is is almost like is a short-term and fluid mindset, right? That doesn't mean ignoring the long-term future. I still think about the longer-term future and think, okay, um, you know, maybe it be I want to reach these certain goals or that kind of thing, right? But day to day, I'm almost thinking ahead, like maybe a couple weeks, a month, and oh, yeah. that's a very different approach than I've had in the past, and and just trusting, trusting that if things change, then I'll, I'll just shift myself. Right. And, but keep working. It's almost like, uh, (laughs) <laughs> it just reminded me of this this climate change analogy that Neil deGrasse Tyson <laughs> did on Cosmos where he's walking on the beach with a dog, right? And the dog's like walking all zigzag and then he's like comparing that that's like weather patterns and that's weather changing day to day, right? But the overall path of both him and the dog is in one linear direction and that's climate change, right? And that's I guess how I feel right now where I have this long approach which right now is just can I can I do this and two things be happen one is it be financially feasible and sustainable uh, over a longer period of time and then two is is it something that i want to do and that i think is really important in this endeavor right because if i'm not still loving what i'm doing and enjoying it and fulfilled by it then there are a million other things i could do that would be easier to make a living at sure right and yeah. so that is integral right and so I don't want to be in a position like I was the first time around where I was just not enjoying it and not wanting to do it. Right. Um so am I still loving it? Am I is it a financially sustainable? Right. And so those are the those are the things I'm the financially sustainable part is the thing that I'm working towards yeah. as the next long term goal.
0: You that's know? the thing that can really cripple your love. Is like when something that you love, you start depending on it financially. Yes. It's very and that's different. That's a tightrope. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's so, you know, that's something that I've dealt with a lot in music, in art, freelance work, and the stuff that I do. And I know a lot of people that also struggle with it, but it's like, well, if you really love it, then you love it. And it's really hard to monetize that sort of thing. But like you said, you know, if you're more, if your concern is more to make money over doing something that you love, there's much easier ways to make money than trying to be a freelance artist or yes. trying to be yes. a magician or a musician or yes. a musician. <laughs> or either. <laughs> all of the above, right? Yeah, all of those things. <laughs> uh, but so I find that you really need to have that passion. Mm-hmm. And I find that the people that have that real passion for their craft are typically the ones that can find a way to actually monetize it because they probably, they have something a little bit more special about what they're doing. Maybe generally. They just,
1: maybe they just wanted enough to actually put in the work yeah. on the other sides
0: of things, right? Which it is also, yeah. I'm also curious, like you know, how much environment has to do with, you know, success. Because I mean I think it does play a huge part for uh, music- <laughs> <laughs> tried so hard. For, for, you, magi- <laughs> for magicians this for, time, yeah. For <laughs> musicians in Pittsburgh for sure, because yeah. we don't really have a music industry Mm. here yeah Yeah, there's a lot of talent it's insane but it's just there's no easy platform Mm -hmm. but that's okay most good things don't come easy sure so for the magician side of things i know that there is some sort of a community here we had mentioned briefly liberty magic earlier and i'm wondering now too if just having that community in pittsburgh has helped you with trying to pursue this a little bit more versus when you were doing it, busking and being on the road and maybe Mm -hmm. not having an environment to exist within. Immensely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, uh, it's crazy that Liberty magic exists, right? And so they opened up, uh, so just for anyone who doesn't know, it's a small theater dedicated to magic shows Full disclosure, I work there now. So, you know, <laughs> just a quick plug. Um, but they opened up in February of last year. And I got a notice in my email because I get the emails from the Cultural Trust in October of 2018 saying that they were opening up this venue dedicated to magic shows. And... Uh, just as i was like hmm i think i might leave my job and do magic full-time you know no shit yeah the uh you know i don't generally i'm pretty skeptical and rational i don't generally believe in signs but you know if one punches me in the face i'm not gonna (laughs) sure you know ignore the punch yeah uh, that's pretty nuts yeah yeah and so i um you know basically looked into it researched who was involved and um, through a longer story that we can get into if you want to later. Uh, basically, I I badgered people and and took the steps to say <laughs> hi and hope and luckily they said hi back and and eventually I got hired to work there and then through working there and being involved with the theater, uh, there's been a lot of opportunities that have come up. You know, I've gotten to do the shows that we mentioned earlier at the theater and to meet other magicians who have been making a living doing magic and. Um, it's really been a lot of the backbone of what I've been working on. And so, you know, it's an interesting thought experiment to think, okay, what if, you know, because Pittsburgh's not a large town, though it has an incredible art scene for the size of the city. Um, but what if a magic theater never opened up, you know? And it would be super interesting to see what it what things would look like. You know, I think I would have had to have put a lot more active and proactive effort into the business side of things and and building uh, like bookings and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those unknowable paths, but I I would hazard a guess that the path would have been more difficult if Liberty Magic didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, you know, environment can play a huge part. I, I still, you know, even now, I don't feel like I have a very good understanding of the market in Pittsburgh and like the market of, Certainly, maybe a better understanding of supply because I've met other magicians and I've seen other magicians around town. Um, but I certainly have no sense really still of the market of demand, right? And so I don't... Uh, that's something I'm still kind of feeling out, of the feasibility of, of you know, getting consistent bookings year after year, you yeah, know, over time. Um, but, you know, I guess one of the nice things is there are... Uh, where you are, your environment can have a huge impact on your ability to be successful at a thing, right? Um, but, you know, especially in this day and age, it's like you still, it's not just out of your hands, right? You can choose your environment, right? And you can choose to, and that was a, I can't remember when that popped in my head, like years ago, it was just like, it was like, oh, right, you can just choose to live somewhere else oftentimes. And and that's a crazy ability that we have, that many of us have now that, You know, it was not an option that, you know, a generation ago or two generations ago that people had. And that's kind of bananas. Yeah.
0: Yeah. With booking in Pittsburgh outside of anything that's attached to Liberty Magic, that's something that you're saying that you're still experimenting with and figuring out. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, I imagine, like, what would the demand be? Because for a band, it's like, okay, well, we know these other places have bands. So Mm -hmm. maybe they'll want my band sometime. Mm -hmm. But for magicians, I imagine it's such a smaller market where it's like, oh, if one place had a magician one time and then you reach out all of a sudden, it's like, maybe you're stepping on somebody else's gig (laughs) or something. I don't know how the community works, but I imagine there's probably a lot of unique opportunity, but like selling people on it's probably the hardest Mm. thing. I imagine there are a lot of places like a, uh, you know, any one of the two million breweries that are within five minutes of where we're sitting right now. Right. Mm. I'm sure if you're like, Hey, I do magic. I would like to come down to your brewery on a weekend and do some tricks for the patrons. Like they'd be like, Oh, that sounds neat. And then you're like, and I need, pay. and I need money. It's like, Oh, (laughs) Oh, how does that, you know? So (laughs) that's, yeah. uh, How do you, uh, I don't know. How do you do that? I,
1: it just, you know, it depends on what direction you want to go in. Right. And so, uh, Yeah. Another thing I think a lot of people don't realize is that, okay, you've got magic as a business, a big umbrella, right? But just like as with any other industry, like music or anything, there are a ton of different, like mini umbrellas that you could go to make your living, right? So magic, oftentimes, there's a focus on corporate events, there's the college circuit, some performers, uh, you know, make a living doing just college shows and that kind of thing. Um, There's also, obviously, Uh, children's magicians, right? Uh, Magicians who specialize in performing for kids. And then um, there's trade shows, that kind of thing. And then, like uh, you mentioned, restaurant magicians, that kind of thing. Um, And so for me, I've kind of been going down the private party corporate route. And then also um, weddings. Weddings are kind of an interesting venue. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. What's funny is that in the UK, weddings are the number one source of business for close-up magicians like it's a very common thing to hire a magician for your wedding in the uk huh. uh yeah and then in the <laughs> states no one ever really thinks of it and it's like oh that's kind of weird right but, yeah uh, yeah it's kind of a thing that makes sense for like cocktail hour photos that kind of thing right um but uh yeah and so i've been again a confluence of of work and chance right of putting uh of Doing work, being prepared, putting yourself out there, and then just kind of like just lucky shit happening, right? And so, so you know, Liberty Magic opened up. I put in the work and I connected with them, and then and got a job there. Um, and then as I was working there, one of the magicians who performed there, Lee Chrobosik, who's a Pittsburgh native, um, for whatever reason, he. Um, he referred me to a talent agency that he'd been working with for over a decade. Um, and you know, he didn't he honestly didn't have a lot to go on. Like maybe he'd seen me do a little magic, we talked about it, but we just kind of got to know each other a bit. And with no prompting from me, he passed my name over and they reached out to me. And I never would have thought to look for an agent or an agency, just because, you know, there's all the negative connotations and stereotypes with them, and I figured. Especially this early on, I was just going to see what I could do myself, right? And so I ended up communicating with them. Uh, they turned out to be phenomenal. Uh, they're called the Talent Network, and and they are all the opposites of all the tropes and and the stereotypes that I had in my head, right? And so they started booking me more work, uh, corporate and private work, than. I could have ever booked myself in, the, in that time span right because they already had a business and they had these connections and so suddenly i was kind of in a position where um i could kind of kind of pull back from putting my own energy into booking work and you and, just focus yeah, on the work exa- and, and then, that's like the yeah, dream right that's yeah fucking yeah. killer that so just you know if liberty magic hadn't opened and then if i hadn't and then i had to put in the work to get involved and then if I had if Lee Tarbosic hadn't existed in this theater, you know, and then if he hadn't introduced me to this talent agency, you know, this all this kind of chance and work coming together, right? And so I, I, it's because cr- it's I feel incredibly fortunate, and it's just hard to imagine the other side of that coin. Like if these things hadn't happened, like again, just going back to if Liberty Magic hadn't existed, what this path would have looked like,
0: right? Yeah,
1: and who knows what other. You know, lucky things might have happened in this alternate universe or what I might have gotten involved in, but yeah. Uh
0: huh. Mm-hmm. With the gigs now, how often are you performing? Is there like an average that you could say, or has it been like very sporadic?
1: It hasn't been long enough for there to be an average.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. It,
1: You know, I got involved with the Talent Network um, midway to three quarters through last year, and then the holiday season is. Um, is usually the busiest season right with like holiday parties and that kind of thing yeah and so so you got
0: looped in right when it's like ramping up yes which
1: was great and so (laughs) uh worked a bunch uh through kind of like october november december and then um ended the year with the expectation that january february march would be very slow right uh and that expectation has been true uh which has been kind of fine too in some ways because of um some of the opportunities that came up with Liberty Magic um I got to do a show there um for their New Year's Eve kind of event in the Cultural District uh and then I got to perform that show a few more times through January and February so it was funny I I had much less work but I still felt very busy which was good because I had I had things to work towards and then now um February 15th was the last show that happened and then, so from then till now, it's been it's been suddenly much more open, and that's actually been perfect timing because, um, like we were talking before we started recording, I've been kind of coming back to a phase of just absorbing a ton of information, and then and then just taking time to to think about magic and evolve my thinking and work on new material and that kind of thing. Um,
0: so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. When mm. it comes to the process of Coming up with a routine—is that a fair a fair word? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> routine, piece of magic, trick. Yeah, run, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know how much of like do you? I don't. I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this question because I have it in my head. <laughs> basically, I'm trying to like ask you like whenever you're gonna write a song. Yeah, you know, like is there a, a starting point for? your song you know like do you mm. start with the beat of your routine or uh-huh. do you start with the melody like or is it always different like do you have like a oh. like i imagine with what you're doing um the physical magic has to work right yeah and then you have yeah, to like of course then you have to well, so i imagine you need to like come up with a narrative to the magic versus finding a magic to fit the narrative, or can you do that? Yeah, you can.
1: Many different approaches. So it's like, I'd say in my own magic learning, uh, generally the advice for, uh, I don't know how to put this either, like more quote unquote serious or the better way to approach it is to not start with the trick, right? Um, Because I think in magicians' quest for magic to be, To be more resonant than a puzzle and take it more seriously, you know, uh, the advice stems from a place where it's like if it's just about the tricks, it's just puzzles and meaningless, and the magician themselves are interchangeable, right? Yeah. Um, And so some of so kind of the prevalent advice is to try to start with an idea or concept or an effect that you want to accomplish, and then figure out a method to like the method is to to use the method to leave the method for the last thing to figure out right okay um and that's often not how it goes because magicians love methods right that's part of why we that's part of what is so interesting about it right is is the stuff that goes on beneath the surface but often often magicians love methods and are enamored by them to the detriment of the experience that the audience has yeah right i could see that yes i can relate with that and so especially a lot of the stuff i've been thinking about and reading about lately has been talking about um magic coming at magic from an audience centric perspective and really trying hard to keep that perspective and and to really try to empathize with what is this person actually experiencing with what i'm putting out right and
0: will they actually care a shit about it right (laughs) Yeah, that is 100% where I that was my misstep with my last big project. Mm. I don't think that I was thinking too selfishly mm. and just caught up in the execution of something without realizing that people are going to watch it or even allowing myself the time to like view it as an audience member mm. and uh, understand that like, oh, this is. Dragging on too long, or this isn't, you know, like I'm not connecting with the audience. And it's such a delicate balance, too, right? Because you also don't want to be at the
1: whim of the other, right? You're doing something because something sparks something in you, and you're passionate about it, and
0: you're excited by it, and you want to share that, right? And you don't want to lose that either. There's like a certain ego that people are attracted to, I think, when they're watching a performance. Mm -hmm. Ego is a word that could be taken. With a negative connotation, but I don't mean for it to. There's just like a confidence. Mm, just like, yeah. you know, look at me, I'm performing, I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not verbally saying that I'm good at this, but in the moment, the way that I'm conducting myself in my presence on the stage, you know, without me having to say it, that I'm good at what I do. So right. now I have your attention, but I'm also, you know, as a performer, Keeping in mind that there needs to be like a vulnerability or a transparency mm-hmm. so that, you know, rather than me just yelling a song at them, like I'm performing a song with them, like I'm having a conversation with the audience. Yeah. And yeah. I find that, you know, with like what you do and the way you uh, navigate a lot of your routines, there's usually somebody else involved. So even like there's one audience participant. Mm-hmm like that one person is a representation of the audience as a whole because they all kind of feel like they are that person they're experiencing it with them mm-hmm. and you it's hard to do that with music right it's a you got to connect in a different way mm-hmm.
1: yeah absolutely and i guess it's like the difference between, you know, they, they've they come to a show to see to see you and they want to get to know you and see what you have to offer, right? Yeah. Um, but done in a way that doesn't treat them like shit, I guess is the, is the way to put it, right? It's like someone, if you're having a conversation with someone, they don't want you to just tell them nice things about them, right? It, they still want you to be you and put out you, but just not be a dick, mm-hmm. I guess is, is the easiest way to put it. Um, so yeah, and I guess that's how you kind of you you do what sparks your joy and interests and share and what you want to share, but you also think about is sharing this in the way I'm sharing it um, just self indulgent and and being yeah. a dick to them right or is it done in a way that is keeping their experience in mind right yeah
0: I yeah. Th- something that I've found and maybe you can relate with this is that just because I have the capability to do something doesn't mean that I should.
1: that is a very (laughs) common point of advice in magic yeah just because you can do something doesn't mean you should yeah (laughs) and oftentimes
0: magicians want to do things just because they can yeah Yeah, or like you know just do it a little bit sometimes a lot goes a long Mm -hmm. way just like one second of something super flashy can stick Mm -hmm. but if you're just doing that the whole time you're I'm this yeah. guy. <laughs> exactly. It's like, whoa. Yes. Please <laughs> calm down too much. And it's really easy to be this guy uh-huh. as a you know a musician. Yeah. It's because there's so much loud and lights and fog and all this stuff. <sighs> so it's got to scale it back. Sometimes people because I think like it's that balance where all the extra stuff is fun, and it's really important to crafting the the whole performance from start to finish, all the nuance. But also, people are coming just because they want to see magic, or people are coming to see me because they want to see people playing songs. Mm-hmm. So don't forget about the songs. Like Don't forget about the magic. Don't get mm-hmm. lost in everything else to a point that all of a sudden, like... The perf- like the magic or the songs are actually just an accessory to everything else. Like they should still be the main right, focus. right? Mm-hmm. Like that still should yeah. be the, the most important thing, but it can be real easy that I've found just from, again, that, that past experience where I felt I was putting more time into crafting everything around the songs and making sure that that stuff worked that I forgot about. Like the actual songs, they got neglected mm. in a way, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I can imagine that could possibly happen for anybody that's doing any sort of a performance have you felt anything like that with yeah you've been putting stuff together
1: it's really so it that in particular is a question that uh i've been kind of grappling with over the last few months which is you know uh on one hand you want the magic to be meaningful and to communicate something more beyond just the thing itself right and so but oftentimes, the way the way you might see the stun is through symbolism or metaphor, right? Uh, where it's like the jacks are robbers, and now they're fleeing from a bank and that kind of thing. But I think there's even almost a greater level of detachment for that because it's like um, uh, <coughs> I read a I'm not going to put this as eloquently, but but basically it's like it there's there's something just totally detached from the symbolism and and the thing that's happening and then the emotion. Um, and, hmm. So let me backtrack a little, okay. right? Where it's, the magic itself is, it, what I've been grappling with is finding this balance of, of, you have the piece of magic itself and then you have everything kind of that goes into it as well, which is, you know, the presentation or the context or what you're trying to communicate or or the emotion and and figuring out what is the balance of those things. Right. But I think I think maybe again, coming back to a, a broader way of looking at it, it the bigger question is just, okay, what is what is the experience? again like what it what describe the experience you want this person to have and then maybe the rest will follow right and so then i don't know i mean it's like so with the show with the show that you did right uh that the hour show and you were putting these different elements into it um if you were, if you were to do it again, like what is what is the experience that you want the audience to have?
0: I think I, I did end up re restructuring it, and it ended up turning into the set that I performed for maybe the past year. Mm-hmm. Uh, over time, I was I just kept on tweaking it, and ultimately, we're a band, so I want people to experience live music, but on an elevated level. Like it's almost, I want to be able to give people, you know, like an arena over the top show, but it's usually in a much smaller space. Mm, So it's giving people, I just want to present something that's super over the top, super unexpected in an unexpected environment, but that tells people, you know, like it's a presentation of like me and my music and, and, just something that follows that follows that particular narrative of mm-hmm. you know what that album was. the album was called Modern Modesty, and it was just about how people have kind of forgotten what the concept of modesty is in current times because mm-hmm. of the internet and social media and everybody being a rock star and just yeah just- the whole idea of just uh the voices in your head telling you that. You know, you're not enough. And at the same time, like being very judgmental of people and also being judgmental of yourself. And it's like, well, what do you actually like anymore? All we do is judge everything. Like, (laughs) It's I'm not we're not here to talk about (laughs) But but I was trying to, you know, convey all that through like various like through the songs themselves and narratives that stitched in between stuff. And there was a lot of like funny gimmicks with like, you know, like my. I like filmed portions of myself that went on the projector that was like the voice in my Mm -hmm. head and I would like interact and talk with myself like it was all timed out and stuff and like a lot of that stuff. Yeah, It was really cool and it worked, but I found that a lot, of it was just too much. It was too much. Like, you know what I mean? Like you have a four minute song, And then maybe like a two or three minute interlude in between each song. Mm. And it's just too much. Right. Like it makes sense, but there are some people that they just want to hear the songs. Yeah. Like no
1: matter how much. Like the core of it is still the music. The the core of it has to to be the music. music. Yeah. At least in that context and the way it's being framed when people are coming to see this thing. Right. Yeah.
0: I think people will appreciate the extra thought. But too much is exhausting. Right. Because then it becomes a thing where it's like you lose the groove and then all of a sudden, okay, here's a song again. And then it's is like too many highs and lows. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if if the whole set is a really well-structured roller coaster, you know, you don't want to ride a roller coaster where it makes you climb up this hill then you go down a fun thing. And then you have to climb up another <laughs> hill and then you go down. You know what I mean? Like it's too yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. You can maybe get away with that like, you know, like two times, maybe three times in a, a crazy roller coaster. Yeah. If yeah. you keep doing it, it's too much.
1: It's but it's balancing the textures, right? Yeah. Or maybe it's like you're on this roller coaster, you go down this fun thing and then it stops and then you watch
0: a five minute movie, right? <laughs> and yeah. And then yeah. you it's, go it's, again. It, 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 it just didn't, it was too much. So mm-hmm. I've, what I found was, um, and I think it's just something that, Come, it came from you know me being experienced in writing songs. I feel like I can write a good structured song that's to the point, trim the fat, not too much bullshit. It gets gets its point across. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have that experience in terms of like filming and narrating and putting a whole set together. Mm. So I'm thinking just like oh i need to i need this much time to tell this much of a story when really i could tell this i could have done the same exact thing in half the time if not less yeah for each thing so it's just like really learning how to give everything a haircut and really tighten it up Mm -hmm. so it's like finding a way to like deliver the point and like the most cohesive snappy thing just like the people's attention way, yeah, yeah. because it's mm-hmm. really easy to distract people or for right. people to get distracted right
1: and then again it, it, all those elements overwhelmed the what should have been the core of it yeah right? exactly and so yeah i think that that maybe is a good way to think about it right where it's like as i'm as i'm building and writing the show that the core of it is a magic show right that is the context and that is the framing people are coming to this theater to see the show that in their minds is a magic show, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but it's keeping that core and then adding things around it to, to create an, it's like creating a, a full, a full experience through where the core of the medium is magic. Right. But that's not the only thing happening, right? There's storytelling and weaving different things into it or what, what have you. Right. Um, And I guess it's, It's kind of the way I think about it is like the difference in the spectrum of like a musician coming on stage and just playing a song, getting applause, playing another song, getting applause versus
0: right. Well, I think that that was an issue that I had was it was there was honestly like it was so tight that there was no time for like really an applause in between songs. And there Mm. also wasn't even making that time to say like, hey, how's everybody doing tonight? You know what I mean? Like it was just coming out, doing the whole thing and then done Mm -hmm. with like, it was almost like never addressing the audience at all in a way. Like I was Mm -hmm. neglecting the people in the room and I wasn't even realizing it at the time until it was too late. And -hmm. then I was like, Oh shit. Like that's the problem. I'm not make, uh, it's like this is supposed to be a communication between me Uh, and the audience. And I'm not even connecting with them at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even giving them, the opportunity to feel like they're actually a part of this event. Mm -hmm. Whoops. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was just so wrapped up in it. Yeah. 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 And I didn't know until... Mm -hmm. I mean, you do rehearsals and it's not like there's an audience there. No, no. And then afterward, like, what went wrong? And then the light bulb is actually a buddy of mine uh, that had came to the show was just very straight up and blunt with me about it. Not in a rude way, but it was just like, I think all that stuff was just too much in between the songs. It was just people Mm -hmm. losing their attention. It was just too much. Yeah. And I was like, why? And then I thought about it. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. So it always helps, too, having having a a trustworthy, honest friend in the audience to just (laughs) uh, tell you, like, you know, guide you along, because like... Mm -hmm. We're we're still. I'm still figuring it out. You're. Still I mean,
1: I mean, I imagine even even more so as a musician, like uh, having difficulties keeping in mind that connection with the audience because you aren't necessarily directly interacting with them, right? It's already easy enough to forget that as a magician. In drag yeah, you know, it's like oh, so often you'll see audience audience member as prop. Is, is what <laughs> sure, is the lingo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: man, so with all of this being said, I do. I could easily talk to you for much more longer, (laughs) uh, but I feel that we are an hour and 15 minutes right now, Mm -hmm. which is plenty of time, I believe. (laughs) I think we've told a a somewhat a base narrative on who you are. We've discussed some things that I've wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. We're going to have probably plenty of more conversations that should be recorded but won't be at the Pear and the Pickle. (laughs) So I will say, come to the Pear and Pickle sometime if you ever want to see John you see some of his magic you'll get uh, get some uh, some test tricks you know it's funny my favorite thing about like running into you sometimes is that i like you'll be like hey Brian you got a moment or like hey Brian can i ask you something and i never know if i'm in the middle of a magic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trick or if you're genuinely just asking me something <laughs> cuz it's been both yes sometimes very much so. it's like you know you're talking to me for like a minute and then I realized, oh shit, we're in a routine.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> that's uh yeah, oh man. I mean, But that, it's so
0: natural. You're really good at that.
1: That's like that's a whole other podcast of stuff <laughs> i'm like i'm like so that whole what we were talking about before about that blog i've been reading it's all about magic in that context of amateur where you know most of most of the advice given to pr- magic performers is all in the context of the goal of performing professionally paid shows right but most of that advice is the exact opposite of what you want to tell someone who's just performing for family, friends, or or even strangers in a casual setting. Because, you know, uh, one of the great examples that I read on one of his posts was like, you know, if you're doing, oftentimes the way it goes is if I'm doing a magic trick for, it's like, okay, guys, now I'm going to show you a magic trick. So I would like you to pick a card, okay, and then blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And then the trick ends and then the performance ends, right? But it'd be kind of like, it'd be kind of like someone telling, it'd be like comedy in a social situation where it's like, you know, you just you just have jokes, right? And you have yeah. a conversation. It's not like, oh, okay, guys, I'm gonna tell you a joke now. <laughs> it's sure. kinda like that, right? Yeah. So much more, much more there that we won't necessarily get into yeah, no. right now. Yeah, yeah, it
0: makes sense. There's just a very there's a very cool, casual and relaxed approach to your work that I enjoy a lot. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. it's been really nice talking with you here. I really encourage everybody out there to, if you don't come to the parent, oh, you should come to the parent pickle and have a good sandwich and say hi to Bobby, Bobby, <laughs> the dude, <laughs> see John. But if not there, you can maybe catch John at Liberty Magic sometime. You can also see John on Instagram at John Tie Magic. And you have a website that is TyMagic.com. You did your research.
1: And if I can throw one more plug out there, uh, I'm also at Scratch Food and Beverage uh, every Wednesday night, which is another wonderful spot in Troy Hill. So, regardless of if you come on a Wednesday night or any other night, um, it is it is just a phenomenal spot, and you would have a wonderful time there.
0: Yes. So yeah. please go see John. Don't hesitate to talk to him. Very fascinating mind, kind person. I enjoy talking with you and I enjoyed this. Hey, me too, man. So, thanks so much for doing it. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening one more time, John Ty. Thanks for being here. Seriously, I really appreciate it. Was this an okay first podcast? This was rad. Yeah, cool. I really enjoyed this. I, I'm really glad that we were able to do this. I'll be back again in a couple of days with another episode, same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the Beat 2020. Woo, woo. Thanks for listening. And we're done. That's a podcast.